All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Small Business Big Stories podcast. I'm here with Fatima Lee Garci, and I'm going to pass it on over to you. I'm going to say very little. Oh, um, man, I, beca- I feel... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, because I want you to give everyone an idea of who you are, and I think the best person afraid. to do that is you. I'm afraid. I'd <laughs> like you to talk more. Okay, yeah. I'll talk a little bit more. Um, the way I know Fatima, uh, we actually connected... Uh, over social I, media. I have anxiety today. I just have to tell you that. That's okay. That's why I asked Brittany if it's okay if I talk about drugs today because I, I took a little bit of mushrooms and now yeah. I'm feeling like, I don't know. Can you keep talking? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I uh, just, f- mushrooms are great. Um, yeah. Right, Brittany? They, um, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> felt them quite yet. You have, um, you have given me some and yeah. um, I'm a little afraid to try them. I won't lie. Um, but the intention is to try them. So They're excellent. They, yeah. I, I microdose um, yeah. a lot. You um, told me that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that then. Yeah. You, um, you told me that it very much like heightens colors and like things around you. Like it just sort of heightens experiences. Yes. yes. Okay. So these lights are like, you don't have to change anything, but they're yeah. really like, um, yeah, they're very strong. Yeah. And when you're on mushrooms, it just like all the colors become very bright and you're very um, aware of everything. Okay. And so I feel like if you had have depression, which so many people do have, especially over the pandemic, it yes. actually feels like everything becomes dull, including like the colors. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you take a little bit of mushrooms, it like really just enhances your, your visuals um, and all your senses as well. Yeah. And your ability to focus. So, like, as you say that, I'm scared of that. (laughs) I'm scared of the idea that, like, to make life more enhanced than what it already is. You're probably, like, already up here. Yeah. Yeah. Inside, I'm already up there. And so I like to play it cool, calm, and collected. But on the inside, a lot of times, I just want to, like, bust out of my own skin. Um, But you did mention that it would help with things like anxiety or perhaps depression. Mm -hmm. I do feel like, obviously feeling up here all the time i do s- experience a little bit of anxiety um so yeah maybe that would be helpful yeah it, it, you do get a lot of flashbacks so sometimes like you remember like because it, it creates uh new neural pathways in your brain yeah um but at the same time you also go down memory lane which can be really um inconvenient you yeah know? you have like a lot of that's a nice way to put it yeah inconvenient because, like, who wants to recall some like really uncomfortable childhood memories or things that you're you're not really there's nothing that triggers it it just like happens so it's it's kind of it's kind of strange yeah so has it been mostly helpful for you microdosing um oh uh, a lot yeah yeah especially like for pre-workout okay very good because it energizes me Ah. yeah but sometimes if i'm like if i take a little bit too much and then i'll smoke a little bit of weed to come back down and then i'm ready to teach yeah um, so yeah, I use quite a bit, Okay, but like microdosing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think, feel, I feel like they've, they've gotten a bad rap. Like I, I know so many people who are on like Adderall and this and that and this fucked up thing and yeah, it's not fucked up, but like a lot of chemical, um, substances and like, I would rather take mushrooms than, than alter like my, my, my brain chemistry that way or like to damage my liver. Yeah. I think the idea of talking about drugs or microdosing um, 
still comes with this stigma and for my ex- I, have, I brought some in my fanny pack that's why oh that's why i really that's why i got my fanny pack actually I was like, yeah how can i carry my mushrooms <laughs> drug pack yeah so it's, just, <laughs> it's very convenient for me yeah um yeah i think that it still carries a bit of a stigma when people think like oh i microdose or i'm um, or, you know, sometimes like I'll consume edibles or what have you. And I think automatically people assume, well, you need this in order, like you're dependent on it. Right. And I think that, you know, consuming a substance that you feel either like calms you, um, or sort of levels you out. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think a lot of, a lot more of us need to be leveled out, <laughs> especially right. it's okay. Can especially after the pandemic and experiencing some of the most unprecedented times. Um, it's one of those things where yeah. like it, it would be, it would be nice to feel a little bit of that calm for sure. And, uh, I was listening to something the other day about how psychedelics perhaps played a role in religious ceremonies, like mm. in the church, how they burn, that it's yep. actually sage. It's actually a per, perhaps it was like a type of salvia. Oh. And salvia, you trip balls on it. Um, yeah. So maybe before have you ever taken it? Salvia. Yeah. I, I I don't recall. Like I know a lot of my hippie friends were smoking it when I was a teen. But yeah. I was a big um, ecstasy. Um, yeah. A Take lot a- of ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> What's that experience like? It's like very euphoric. Um, okay. And you feel very connected to everyone and everything. Wow. And like everything in the world is perfect. Like you just feel super connected. Um, you want to dance. You, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have sex uh-huh. because it's, it's like a, you feel really connected to people. So yeah. I hope my mother never listens to this. <laughs> my mother, my parents, like they're like in denial of like my, my drug use, even though it was like very apparent. Yeah. Um, because then I like. Yeah, I was like an addict, um, and uh, then I was like addicted to opiates, which was really terrible. Yeah, like, for sure. Um, when I was sixteen, I started. I was working in a kitchen. I was washing dishes. Yeah. First of all, let me say to teenagers: you guys need to move your asses. You know, stop sitting on your ass and expecting people to give you money. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Go out there and get a job. So yeah. Anyways, when I was um, sixteen. <clears throat> My, one of my uh, my boss was giving me was like selling me these like really heavy opiates. Yeah, and so it's quite common in the the kitchen environment, like the hospitality environment. I worked in um, in a restaurant for quite some time, and if I wanted it, it, it would have been there, right, <laughs> yeah. like in my hand. Yeah, because it's like a sport in the kitchen. Yeah, and so like it's quite common. Um, for people to take stimulants and, and especially after work is done for the chefs to and the staff to get drunk and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was also like selling a lot of my stuff at school and I, I was a very ethical drug dealer. Um, I would That's always entrepreneur take, at yeah, a young age. Since I was young. No, it's true. I, yeah. was, I would always ingest what I was giving to people first. Yeah. Um, to make sure it was good. Um, where was I going with this? So. The ecstasy, yeah, it feels like you're super connected. Um, you really want to dance. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a strange story. Please. Um, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> like, I remember the first, one of the first times I took it, we used, me, my friends and I used to go to this club that let in underagers. I had a fake idea. It didn't matter. But yeah, um, we were all like dancing and then like 
one by one, like people were throwing up, but at the same time, people were dancing as they were throwing up because it was like, felt so good and you didn't care. Yeah. That reminds me of that Family Guy episode, the one, the one that everyone refers to. I, I was not an avid Family Guy, or I'm not an avid Family Guy uh, watcher, but I do know that episode where it's just like they took Epicac and it was just everyone was throwing up yeah. anywhere. Anyways, please continue. Yeah. Um, so that, that can get, kind of give you an idea of like the, the feelings um, of like euphoria. I remember another time I had, I was. I was DJing at this house party on New Year's. You were a DJ? Yeah, but like, you know, I only did it for like a year. And okay. I, I basically was like, you know, in my room, like spinning all my, my jungle music and like dancing around and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Is it something that you still do? No. Okay. No. I, I do like write songs. I'm actually playing music tomorrow. Ah. Rancid Heart is my, the, my album. Okay. My Putrefying Soul uh, especially over the pandemic, it was really putrefying. But now, yeah. Uh, but back to the story about the the <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> when I was DJing, yeah, I had like distributed ecstasy to everybody, and like uh, one girl was on the floor, and I thought I had killed her, and I was really like, because she was like like that, and like, yeah, her face was like sideways, right? Oh my gosh! And then people were trying to pry her hands apart. Yeah, and we're like are you okay? And she was like, I'm having the best time of my life. That? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It, okay. That's, yeah. And then the next day we were like, the next day is terrible because like the calm down is awful. Well, I was going to ask that. It's terrible. Yeah. It's awful. Like it's the Cause worst. like to feel that high of a high, like there must be awful. like a crashing it's low. It's terrible. Like it, it can't even describe how, how terrible it is because all the serotonin is used up in your brain. Right. And you just feel awful. Like I, I can't. Like you can't compare it to anything? No. It, it's everything from, everything went from like beautiful to everything is so ugly and terrible. Wow. Yeah. And like, is that, does that just last for a day or does that last for, for a like, couple days? Like three days I would say but then you know usually you smoke a lot of weed during those times or just sort of keep yourself afloat or you use something else ah yeah but I know we talked I came on here to talk about my business and now (laughs) well no I mean it's a good start the roots in my entrepreneurial yeah I mean and (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that right like we all come from different paths and different life experiences and I think it's important (laughs) to capture those things and to be genuine about those things because everyone's startup is different and it's nothing that anyone should be ashamed of you learn things whether it be good things or not so great things either way things are a learning experience uh and i think for whatever reason along your path it brought you to where you are today which is like an incredible business owner who runs this amazing gym um and and yeah so so please go ahead and elaborate (laughs) on like what brought you to seasonal cough that's all Um, right no worries First of all, I, I need to say, Brittany, you're a great instructor. And I have, oh, I have a talent for knowing when someone's talented. Yeah. Like, I, I have a, I just, I f- have a feeling I can smell when someone has talent. So that's why I was, I just knew. I was like, this person has talent. Yeah. It's a quality hoe. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yes. That's what yeah, I'm aiming so for. It's, it's really great to have you. Um, yeah. Thank you. 
I'm sorry. What was your question? Exactly? Yeah. So I guess what brought you to like through all of your life experience there, what brought you to think <laughs> what brought, and we'll get more into that yeah. as well. Um, what brought you to the idea of, I want to run my own gym. I want to open up uh, a space for women to feel strong. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to my, it's like related to, to my, my um, stories of addiction. Yeah. Because I, to like, the friends around me at that time had the privilege of going to rehab. Yeah. And I didn't like, I was like totally like neglected and ignored. Right. So I had yeah. to pick my ass up and leave and I became addicted to exercise in like a freaky way. Yeah. Like, I looked like a freak, like, uh, um, just, um, always having to like run or jumping squats and push ups and just like, I, I got, this idea in my head, I wanted to become a fighter professionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that was perfect because it's like a very obsessive thing. You, you're always exercising and like developing your craft. Absolutely. Um, you have to be like a little self-obsessed to, to become a fighter. And I was alone, so it really worked out well for me. Right. You put all your focus into it. Yeah. 100%. I had nothing else to do. <laughs> really. Yeah. So, um, and then I actually like, I think from that trip, I actually, I was very isolated. Like, yes, there were people around me, but um, I was a foreigner, so right. I, I wasn't connecting with them on a on a very deep level at all. It was. Is this when you went to Taiwan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, I I was like still fucked up, but I thought I was like healthy now because I'm exercising now. So there's nothing wrong with me now. Yeah. Right? Um, and then I almost died when I was in Taiwan because like of my obsession and um i had like m- my coach had signed me up to i think it was like this asian cup or something like that and i had started my weight cut very mm-hmm. early and um i was hallucinating for and had nightmares every night for like two weeks wow and i was like um hallucinating like I was really unwell like I was crying all like something was wrong with me did you tell your coach I didn't need to because he thought I was possessed and I thought I thought I could have been because of like my hallucinations were so strong and like this might sound a little like out there but like there's like if you're in like in Taiwan there's like a lot of temples and like people are always like inviting spirits to their home it's like Mm. all around and like I was very weak and like it would take me 45 minutes to go to the gym on my scooter and all these winding roads and like at I would come home after like 1 p.m 1 a.m yeah and like I think the environment I think I was possessed basically yeah. that's what I'm trying to say yeah because you were surrounded yeah you were surrounded by yeah. a culture that perhaps just sounds like crazy right so um, like I, I wasn't really. able to to like articulate that because people would be like okay right you were possessed like it just sounds so fucking crazy so yeah but i think also like you were in a different part of the world where values and the culture are very different Mm -hmm. so to feel that way i think is is quite reasonable yeah because like when i looked in the mirror like there's this it's really fucked up it was like someone else was like looking at me it it was awful and so it was like i was like okay i'm gonna kill myself because like how long did you feel this for a couple of weeks and then like I wasn't coming to the gym and my coach was like, what is wrong? And then like, 
I just wasn't talking to him. And then uh, the night where I felt like I was dying, I was like, my organs are shutting down. Like, I wasn't on anything. And, like, the room was, like, spinning. And, like, it was like everything was melting. And I was like, I'm fucked. I'm going to jump off the balcony. It was, like, 1 a.m. Yeah. And uh, in that moment, my coach had come to my apartment. He had never, like, visited me at that hour before. Mm. It was, like, I don't know. Some divine intervention. intervention. Yeah. And he yeah. was like, I need the gym key. Uh, you have a spare one. Can you come down? And I was like really paranoid at that time. Actually, like I had like extreme body dysmorphia as well. So yeah. I was like, I had, uh, I had thought that I was really fat, but I wasn't, but something was going on with me. So I was like, right. and my coach was really like, um, he was a type of person, like they don't really care about your feelings. Mm. <laughs> Like, sometimes he would, like, pinch me here and there, wear a raincoat, and, like, don't come, like, go for a run because you you look really fat today or something. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. And any, anyways, um, I won't get into my history of being a, a really chubby girl, but, um, so I went downstairs, and my coach looked into my eyes, and he was like, you're possessed. He was like, there, you, there's something really wrong with you. Yeah. And I was like... Thank God, because I was like, am I dying? He's like, no, you're not dying, but there's a ghost inside of you. So I was like really scared. Right. But um, I was almost also relieved that I wasn't dying. Right. And that someone else was validating how you were feeling. I had no idea that that was what it was. But yeah, I guess like, I don't know. It's kind of freaky when someone looks into your eyes and tells you that there's a ghost living inside of you. I could only imagine. And especially since... It's not something that you would hear, like living he- living in Canada. Yeah. Um, like you said, if you were to tell someone that story, ordinarily they'd be like, "Come I, on, yeah, now. actually, right?" I, I told my therapist that. Um, yeah. And she was like, "Well, because you were cutting weight because of this." I was like, "No, like that's. I don't think people that cut weight have that sensation or have like the the, the feeling of." of someone being inside of you. Like yeah. it felt like someone had stepped inside of my chest. Were you yeah. feeling like an out of body experience? Like your body no longer belonged to you. It's really hard to describe. It's like, Oh, it's really, it's not that it's just, yeah. you can feel the weight of someone else inside of you. And wow. the, when you look into the mirror, it's, you can't like, you see them through it's really weird yeah and like the nightmares like you can't escape it that's that's the frustrating part because like you know that something's you just don't know how to get rid of this thing and right if you talk to someone they're gonna tell you you're crazy right yeah um but in taiwan it's actually quite common because like it it's um because of the culture right because they're calling ghosts all the time they're always praying to ghosts um so I, I did tell some of my Buddhist friends and, and they did like, they validated help me, but like I left the country right after that. Ah, yeah. How long were you there for? Like two and a half years at that time. Okay. Um, I went back because yeah. <laughs> you... I felt really like, I felt upset because I had done all this training and then, um, I didn't get to like prove myself as a mm. fighter. So I was like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to kick this girl's ass. I was supposed to fight this world champion. Yeah. Um, and the day of the fight, she couldn't get her visa into the country. Okay. So, like, I had done all this training, 
um, for what seemed to be now nothing. Yeah, exactly. And so I just felt like I wanted to go back because like, also I didn't like finish. I don't, I I think I completed high school, but I didn't go to university. Yeah. So like in my, for my parents and my family, like you're, it's like you, you, you don't have any, it's, you're seen as like unsuccessful. Right. And I think that's pretty common. Like, um, yeah. In, right. yeah. In, in quite a few families, I would say so. And like, depending on, uh, at least speaking from my perspective, having that piece of paper is somewhat of, you know, a credit to your hard work and your level of intelligence, which at this point in my life, I don't necessarily agree to a certain mm-hmm. extent. I think that it can be, um, no matter if it's high school or university or you taking a course that you're passionate about, it shows a level of dedication. It shows your passion for something um, in in completing that. Does it have to be university? Does it have to be college? No. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time that university, that piece of paper was literally the most expensive piece of paper I've ever purchased in my life. And that's all I could really say about university. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Yeah. I, I, Ever since I was young, like I, I remember in the first day of school when I was in kindergarten and the bell rang and I was the only one who didn't go inside Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't understand what was happening. And I, I didn't like the group, um, like group uh, thinking and, and like, I didn't like being told what to do without having a really good reason. Got it. And like all the school activities, like, what is the purpose of me doing that? Like, where's it going to get me? Like, right. Like the, the status doesn't matter to me. The, the praise for my parents, that that doesn't matter to me. Right. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, um, yeah, I came back after, um, the possession incident and then I was super fucked up. I had a hard time just talking to people regularly. I remember I went to the store and, uh, like I had, I don't know, bought some protein powder and I was just like looking at the cashier, like an alien, yeah. And you can laugh. It's okay. No, no, I don't think, honestly, I think it's like, it's, it's interesting. Um, but I also think, man, that must've been so fucking hard. It was really isolating. Because you were like readapting, um, and also getting over and overcoming that experience that you had in Taiwan. So to go through all of those things at once and how old were you at that time? I was probably 23 when I came back. It's still at a state. I mean, like, even if that happened to me now, I'd be like, (laughs) I'd be pretty screwed up. But at 23 um, and you were in the mind state that you were in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course you'd have a hard time socializing. (laughs) Yeah. And like I was I thought that I had left Taiwan and like I was better. Yeah. And when I came back, I had realized that everything was the same. And like the problems in my family were the same. And it like, I had a complete like mental breakdown inside, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I was like, I, I told my mom, like, I don't, I can't stay here. I'm going back. And she was, she felt really bad. Um, and then I, I got my personal training certification and, um, how did the fight go? So you went back to Taiwan. Oh, that was much later. Oh, okay. Okay. I kind of fast forwarded that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I got my, my personal training certification. Mm Mm-hmm. Really to, I was also like, I also had like a lot of body image issues as a, as a youngster. I probably still do. Right. Yeah. But, um, so like m- me wanting to be a personal trainer was also like 
me thinking I could fix myself mm-hmm. at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, and just kind of like feed my addiction to getting that high when you exercise, right? Yeah. I just, I, I wanted to feel like that all the time. Yeah. You were just finding another way of doing that. That yeah. wasn't drugs. Yeah. And I used yeah. to fucking crush people. Like I, I didn't have like... <laughs> <laughs> elaborate it was, it was terrible when i was a, a beginner trainer like i yeah. didn't have the soft skills of like yes i had empathy i'm a very like empathic person but like mm-hmm. i didn't care what they wanted or like needed i was like you you're gonna do this this and this and like they would throw up and like cry and like, i just didn't care yeah I just, well I coming like, from your experience <laughs> uh you know preparing for this fight that you were preparing for in Taiwan and the approach that it seemed like your coach was taking, uh, that yeah. makes sense yeah. that you would have a similar pedagogy and approach to your training because that's what you've been shown. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, my coach was an interesting guy. Yeah. He told me that, I don't know why I'm bringing this up. It just came Do to it. my mind, but <laughs> we spill everything here on this <laughs> podcast me, and I love him, but told me when he was like he he grew up in burma okay and um i guess they didn't have a lot of things to do when they were growing up so he told me when he was 16 he fucked a cow that's just what everyone did and i was like he was telling me this yeah and i was like oh my i was like kind of freaked out i was like that's really gross and he was like why why is that that's just what everyone did there was no girls around and yeah when boys become a certain age like that's that's just what we do. You know what? I feel like you want my reaction to be like, what the <laughs> actual fuck? But my initial reaction is how cultures are so very different. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. Um, not in this, like, not in terms of bestiality. <laughs> I'm not intrigued about bestiality. It's not something that I would ever want to experiment with. But just the overall idea of how something in one country is just mm. is acceptable. And the same thing in other countries, like, how dare you even speak of that? Yeah. I find that intriguing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is very interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I think it's just. He was a really, like, he's a jungle guy. Like, he's, he was, it's just a, a really interesting man. And he, he had so much influence over me. Yeah. I went across the world to have him. Yeah. So, like, he had, he, he was able to influence me in ways that other people just couldn't. Like, I was a heavy smoker also when I went to Taiwan. Right. I had been smoking since I was 13. Mm-hmm. And... I knew it was bad for me. No matter how many people told me to quit, I wasn't fucking doing it. But sure. like when he told me I quit like immediately because mm-hmm. he didn't tell me to quit. He, he didn't No, the way he like, um, first of all, he accepted me like, as I was. And right. you know, we would go out after training. Like if you want to smoke, smoke here. I don't care. Okay. You know, so I didn't have to hide anything from him. Right. Um, but then he would just obliterate me in the training. Right. Ah, okay. Yeah. He's like, yeah, go ahead and smoke, but I'm going to make sure that your lungs pay for it. <laughs> yeah. And then he was wow. like, just said, he said to me, like, if you have the ability to quit, quit. Yeah. And something about the way he said that was like, I don't know. It just worked. I was like, yeah, it was okay. a light bulb. Yeah. So like yeah. the power of coaching and influ- having like, it, it's really, it's really powerful. It's something that I don't want to take for granted. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that definitely 
translates into the way that you coach now. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely see those soft skills for sure. Um, wherever they may have come from, Mm -hmm. where do you feel like they, that did eventually develop from? I'm really sensitive. Yeah. And, um, it's probably from my parents. Like they're like, they don't, they're pretty much like socialists. Okay. Yeah. And like, they're like probably just in, in, in my genetics, like very caring, right. really wanting to make people feel good about themselves and that sort of thing. And also like, I know what that, that feels like mm. humiliated so many times in my life. Yeah. And, um, so like in a gym environment, I just know how vulnerable it can feel to be like using, moving your body in particular ways and learning a new skill as right. a woman. Yes. Um, and how, how difficult it is to learn when you're not relaxed. And that was also my problem. I think in school in general was like, I just, uh, or certain environments, like learning was difficult for me when I didn't feel, I didn't feel I could be myself or I didn't feel relaxed. Yeah, absolutely. No, it like the minute you said that I was like, wow, I felt the same way. I felt Mm -hmm. a sim. Yeah. I felt a similar way where, um, yeah, when I did my post-secondary education, I actually, I won't name the school, but I attended a school where I felt the exact same way. I was like, I don't feel comfortable being myself. So this learning environment is useless to me because... Uh, You're I, just thinking about like maintaining um, like a shell, right? Yes. Yeah. I was so insecure with myself Uh from an intellectual level and a personal level at the same time that I just felt like I had to leave Mm -hmm. and, and it just wasn't the right fit. So yeah, feeling uncomfortable and not being able to be yourself is definitely something that I can relate to. But let me tell you something when I walked in. So I just want to backtrack for a second in the way that we know each other. So through social media, we realized well, not we, but I realized that you knew Sydney, who I had been in connection with. Uh, Sydney will also be on the podcast very soon. And she runs an all women's gym as well in Toronto. And so I knew her through some courses that we had taken. Uh, and then she had connected me to you because you were looking mm-hmm. for, for new trainers. And so, but you had never, and still to this day, you've never met Sydney, yeah. right? In person. Yeah. And that's what I loved about, um, and I know this can be controversial to say, but loved about these last few years is connections were made that ordinarily probably wouldn't have Mm -hmm. been made. Uh, So yeah, walking into your gym, I would say either the first or second time, I literally felt like this. I went like this. (sighs) Like, I love that. Yeah, I felt an automatic sense of relief that this was a place that I could be myself authentically And I honestly, I feel that you've done that for so many women who Mm -hmm. attend your classes. Um, So please share these amazing classes that you, that you offer that you felt that way. That's, that's definitely what we aim to do. Um, And I think you mentioned to me, it feels like a home, like it, the decor, even like some of the, the way that it's decorated, like in the kitchen and my office, it's kind of like all personal touches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it's because like, you know, I, I like people to want to spend time there and I like to spend a lot of time there. So, and I don't want it to feel like stale or like, um, like hospital vibes. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I totally understand. Like some gyms have that or, and then when you like even sometimes do a consultation, it just feels really like, um, medical or like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel, feel or robotic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, that's what I really wanted to, to stay away from. Yeah. Um, your questions about the classes that yeah. we do. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically an extension of things I really love to do, right? Boxing. Yeah. The Muay Thai. We have um, the street fit, which you did. And yeah. We, we choked each other out, which yeah. was really fun. <laughs> and then and then our boot camp class, which which you do so good, uh, such a great job teaching. Thank you. Yeah, and um, it's great because we have, like, kind of like a semi-private small group um, mm-hmm. environment happening, which is um which is great so people can like have that connection with the coach right yes and also like it's the same girls coming every time so it's 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 a really nice little community feel yeah it's a family for sure even this um during um ramadan and then um celebrating eid it was so beautiful to um just sort of immerse myself in that, in that culture and, and get a sense of, of the significance of it through Mm -hmm. your members and through yourself. And I think really being able to share, um, who you are wholeheartedly, uh, is something so, so special. And when you can do that in a space that, you know, you would think, well, you're there to work out. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's much more than that. It's much deeper. Yeah. That's why, um, like on Instagram, it, it says that it's a deep health mm-hmm. because like all of my health issues didn't come from not knowing how to work out or not knowing how to eat properly. It came from like my identity and a lot of discrimination and things like that. Yeah. That like, well, you know, if I go to a, a normal gym, am I, am I going to be able to make a connection there or relate to anybody there or really talk? Not that our gym is uh, a place where people necessarily get together and talk about their problems but there's an uh the the fact that there's an uh, an awareness um or that you're with other women who share the same identity yeah um i think i think it just does something in in the environment um time from time to time like we will have you know casual discussions about things that um i think are really important um and it makes people feel more comfortable. Absolutely. I know. And you let me know. I mean, from the very start of this, it seems like your comfort level is pretty, is pretty good. But, um, when you first, <laughs> thank you. Um, when you first opened up, uh, your gym, it wasn't, it was very bad. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't what you would say was like a celebratory reaction yeah. to it want to speak yeah, a little bit about so, that yeah that was pretty you know the good thing about that is that it inspired me to write my music yeah um because it it pissed me off so much um but basically there had been i had been um working in the muslim community for like five years prior to opening my gym right and in like very like ultra orthodox pockets of the community as well. Like it was really kind of diverse, but 
pretty conservative. Okay. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Basically along the way, um, it's just really, I just want to cut this story short because it's actually can get quite long, but basically when I had opened my gym, um, some ladies, um, yeah, they started like spreading rumors about me, about my, first of all, like I, I, I don't talk, I don't go into my classes saying, Hey everybody, I'm gay. Right. Right. In any circumstance, like not because I, 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 that's just not how my personality is. Like it doesn't matter if I'm around Muslims or anyone. I just, that's just not what I normally, unless I'm around gay people, then we'll talk about it a lot. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm generally like pretty private and, um, but I am also like a 50 footer. Do you know what that means? It's like, you can tell from 50 feet away, like, oh, that's, that's a a homosexual. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't I mean, really need to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't get me wrong. Like, when I walked in, I was just like, okay, <laughs> yes, someone, you know, someone I can relate to yeah. on that level as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so basically, like, so, yeah, some girls were, were basically not only telling other women, like, that I was gay, but also, like, a predator. Yeah. Um. So, and... At the beginning, I was like, okay, this is really hurtful because mm-hmm. I had known these people and I had helped them. Yeah. And I had, like, given them so much of my time. And I actually think people who do things like that are a little bit, if not a lot, very gay. Yeah. And they have, like, this self-hatred or this, they they can't themselves express who they are. There's a level of fear. Yeah. And so they will uh, go out of their way to to, like, attack as a defense for them, for themselves and right? projection. Yeah. Yeah. So at the beginning I was like, I was really hurt. Um, but I was like, who cares? Um, this isn't, people are going to believe this shit. People believe that shit. Yeah. And like I lost, I lost a lot. And, um, like uh, of people, like of, of connections and like, it just, it, the feeling in your stomach when like these people like have blocked you or like th- they think that, you are like a rapist or yeah. like a pedophile or whatever, you know, it's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, and it's because of the way that gay people are spoken about, like in, in religious communities. Right. It's like mm. in general. So, um, and at the same time, um, uh, I was going through a lot. I had like moved like my personal, um, my home, right. I had yeah. moved in with my girlfriend yeah. and I had also like moved and like, renovated this studio so i was like going through a lot and then this has had happened and like um a lot of shifts yeah yeah and uh so um and it was just like nonstop for like two years it didn't stop until i had made a post saying like this is dumb and then it stopped isn't that great because there's one of them was like watching me every day she would like follow my students and watch their like it was really obsessive and like wow. um yeah tried to get me arrested as well for being a gay person and Pe- people did not give a fuck like that's what really bothered me yeah like i'd tell like other like people in the community like these people are doing this or like this is happening to me and they would just not give a fuck it's like Man. fuck you bitches yeah, yeah. it Yeah, I I could only imagine just because, you know, 
all you're trying to do is pursue your passion and serve the community yeah and open up a space you know for people to again feel comfortable get strong um be you know build body awareness Mm -hmm. and so when people are so overtly against that and personally attacking you Mm -hmm. yeah it it gave me a lot i just couldn't imagine a lot of resentment in like the in my religious community as well just because nobody gave a fuck like except for like a couple of my very my close friends but aside from that it was like well like what are we gonna do like that's not something we talk about or like that's just you know that's that's like your thing it's not our thing so yeah uh, that was like really disappointing it it when it it unearthed a lot of my other deep traumas Mm. like my childhood trauma right and that Mm. fucked me up so bad Brittany. like i was that's why i started taking mushrooms actually again i didn't i was fine i thought i was fine yeah right like i hadn't been using anything not that it's i I don't really know if i would consider like microdosing like to be like using but yeah i was like i was fucked up yeah well again and this is me just you know, being empathetic to the fact that I've never experienced to this degree um, this sort of like rejection to my sexuality. And that's never really affected any like business pursuits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just for me, it's it's hard to really wrap my head around individuals who just like if you don't agree with something that's okay i think that's okay i i don't think that we should all i mean that's what creates the world but that we live I, in right can i pause you for a second yeah i think like i think you mean like people agreeing with like how you identify right like agreeing with your but like the the thing with how people think about homosexuality yes it's an ideology that you can subscribe to right Mm -hmm. and it's not it's it's just something that people are born with absolutely and that's like but religious people think especially because there's like a flag that there's like (laughs) this idea this movement this ideology right has been born in the west which is stupid it's not true that is like um a threat to like the 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 nuclear family, which doesn't exist anyways, because there's always been concubines for centuries. Right. Only recently, have we had like this this new kind of marriage dynamic, like between, monogamous dynamic? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess where I was going with that, it was just that. Sorry, you're like, no, I don't agree on the concubines. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, no, but I guess my thought process is it's okay. Okay, disagree with something, but you know, just leave me alone sort of thing. Like I, I don't understand yeah. how, you know, what's happening in my life or your life is, you know, affecting or what's happening under my roof in my household is any of anybody else's concern. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, because in particular with, with Muslim women mm-hmm. and they are, especially if you're like a little bit, orthodox or conservative there's this like the gender segregation is very important 
Okay. So the thought process is like, okay, I can't show my hair or be around a man because maybe there's an attraction. So if I'm around a lesbian and I'm, why would I take my scarf off? Because perhaps it's like, she's predatory. It's like a natural, Okay. um, it's a natural like um, connection that people will make because in general they feel like, they feel like men are actually predatory. Mm. So when you are a gay, you are a gay person, you become like a man, essentially. Interesting. Yeah. So the thing is like, why would you, Brittany, um, I know you're not a lesbian, but you're halfway there, but let's just say you're a big, big fat lesbian. Yeah. Why would you want to train Muslim women? Oh, it's because you want to see them without their scarves on and who knows what you want to do with them. So that's kind of what the, what the image of you was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. But I also think that I don't know enough about religion. I didn't grow up religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know enough to really comment on it. So to hear your experiences um, and just to hear like the hard time that you had makes mm-hmm. me feel like mm-hmm. that's a, from an objective standpoint, that is hard in itself and like to be to be a part of you know a religious group and then also be gay Mm -hmm. is there's so many layers to that like just to be gay Mm -hmm. is you know is complex in itself and comes with its own trials and tribulations itself and to add you know religion onto that can sometimes be yeah, it doesn't that make, much it more doesn't intense. Well. Yeah, because yeah. most people have, uh, gay people have like religious trauma because of what you're told when you're young. And, and yeah. um, like I have gay Christian friends who tell me that like it's people like always tell them they're going to burn in hell and all this, this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but can, I'd like to add to that, like, you yeah. know, the Muslim community is quite diverse. So For like, sure. Yes, there are very like, all, um, bigoted people and and um people who are like quite close-minded but there's also people who are who are on the opposite end of that spectrum i was just gonna say too um so like yeah so the cool thing about that is that um there are a lot of like i have met a lot of that's why i I, i'm kind of hesitant to use the word conservative because like i'm just i would maybe like to say like hijab wearing women i've met quite a few of them who are gay yeah um, and who just, that's just how, how they like to, to dress and you'd never know. And I think that's really interesting. Um, so that's the, the cool thing about our gym is that like, yeah, um, by saying that we are for Muslim women and LGBTQ people, yeah, um, it brings in a lot of different flavors. And I think that is like, it makes the space actually like. I don't know, something about it, it just, it makes it very, very unique, more unique than, than usual. And also like, yes, for me personally, it's, it's a, it's a release. And then also for Muslims who are gay, they know that, oh, I can come here and it's going to be okay. Yeah. I think what's also amazing as well is that you really spend a lot of time highlighting your members too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you have some of them you know, have their own space and workshop and Mm -hmm. they get to highlight their story and their skill set to the other members. And 
I think, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen that in any other gym space mm-hmm. before. And I think it's really important because, you know, attending a gym and getting service and getting, you know, whether it be personal training uh, services or group fitness, it's a very reciprocal dynamic. People don't ordinarily think that because they think, you know, they're going there to get trained. They're going there to get mm-hmm. Fatima's program or Brittany's. Yeah. Um, but really it's, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, we feed off of each other's energy and, um, and abilities and really push one another, whether you're a member or you're an instructor. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy the fact that you create these workshops or you have these members of the month, mm-hmm. um, to really showcase that it's not just about you yeah. or us providing a service. Yeah. We all learn from each other. Um, yeah. The, the people that do the workshops are, are quite like they're accredited and they're quite, they have like a lot of talent. Like the next For person sure. we're doing is, you know, sort of world-class um, kettlebell lady. Yes. Cynthia. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, I think like I, in general, I like to give people a lot of space, like, um, to work like even for like for you or for another coach i think we're we're all like um it's like an art right and so like let the person do their thing yeah um and i i just love learning from other people as well yeah i think it's it's important to really continue the work that you're doing um I think like with all the amazing accolades that I've seen on your wall and mm. you know, your travels and all the things that you've accomplished, <laughs> honestly, no, I'm just laughing because like, <laughs> sorry, I, I know this, this has been like, it's, it's been a really interesting conversation. That's yeah. Why I'm giggling a little bit, but please. Yeah, I know. You know what? It has been because you're just, like, you have such a, a unique story. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to capture that all <laughs> it is is going to be unique. So yeah. we did it in a very interesting, different way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to see all of the amazing things that you've accomplished, um, all the amazing publications that you've been a part of to highlight Sister Fit uh, has really been remarkable. And, you know, how did that feel when you were opening up and you went through all the shit that you mm-hmm. did. Um, and then having these media connections start to happen. Mm-hmm. How did that even start? It, I don't know. It was just <laughs> like <laughs> Muslims are doing something in public and exercising. Like let's, what is going on here? Yeah. And um, you have to be quite mindful because a lot of the times people have tried to bait me. Mm. And like they want like this this really like interesting like succulent story like it's because they're being abused right it's because yeah. there's like violence at home and now they want to feed yeah. they want to feed and continue to perpetuate the, the stereotype exactly. yeah. yeah so then I just put a, a completely different narrative like a really boring one that's like it's true that yeah like, you know anything that you can you can take anything from anything and make it something right so, yes um. Yeah, I actually, I never felt like, I never, I never really felt like that working with Muslim women. Like it, it, it was really fun until all this bullshit happened. Let me just tell you. Yeah. 
And I, I, there is something really comforting about it for me because like with body image, I just, I just felt like it wasn't such a, there wasn't a lot of stress on like looking a certain way as well. So that was like really helpful for me. And then like, it helped me connect a little bit with my faith and my spirituality. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my narrative was more based on strength and that sort of thing. Um, which is not what people want to hear, but, um, but anyways, um, yeah, it was like really stressful actually, because like I had, I was going through so much and like, I, I hadn't had that experience of like dealing with, with media and stuff like that before. Um, but, um, I'm really grateful for it because I think it, it, um, shut a lot of people up, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's, um, it's also great to, to put a different narrative, um, in the public eye. So for sure. Yeah. Media does a really good job of, um, I take that back. It did not shut people up. It made people fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy in what sense? Oh, just like trolls, um, people like left, right and center being like, what the fuck is this? Why do you need this? This is like reverse racism. This is this, this is just, Yeah. Dumb comment after a dumb comment. I was trying not to, to like, look at that. But um, I don't know. Like, sometimes when you're put in weird situations, your your strength will come out, you know? Mm-hmm. No, and it's just, again, admirable to see that after, you know, all of this struggle mm-hmm. that you've come out on the other side. And, of course, those things don't just go away. Um, but you work through those things and sharing that strength really translates again in like the way you train, the way, you know, we Mm -hmm. interact, the way that you run your business and yeah, it's been amazing to be a part of. Uh, I know that you have, I can't remember her name. Um, she's helping with community development. I have a couple girls, Ah. the younger one. I believe so. Yes. Michaela. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And she's helping you with community development. Are you, can you speak to that? Like what, what's your plan in, in regards yeah, to that? So her job is to reach out to more LGBTQ youth. Okay. Um, and I met her through, um, a summer camp that I was teaching at for Rexdale pride. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's really difficult. Um, sometimes obviously because like their parents, right. They don't, a lot of them are not out in general right so yeah. like ac- ha- uh having them access programs is is, is quite difficult mm-hmm. but um i just i didn't the resource that i had uh i didn't have financial resources but i had people i had people around me when i was young yeah um to to help me uh, and um i i want to make sure that our space provides something like that for for that segment, I think it's, it's, it's a really delicate age and, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, when I was sort of grappling with my sexuality, I didn't, I, I couldn't pinpoint it. I didn't know what it was. Um, I was scared of it. Mm -hmm. I knew that it made me different and I, and I didn't want to be different. Yeah. And so, Um, And there was nothing really at that time that I could feel like, oh, okay, like it's okay for me to, you know, 
be in this space because I can be myself mm-hmm. in that way. Uh, yeah, I just didn't feel that way or, or that there was that space for me yeah. in school, whether it was like elementary school or high school. And so Mm-hmm. To hear that that's something that you want to provide, I think will be an amazing relief to a lot of young people who are grappling with their sexuality. Um, not really, yeah, not really sure about it, still having a lot of questions about it um, and just providing a space for them to be like, okay. Can I tell you a story? Um, <laughs> have so I said I no like, yet? <laughs> when I was like 13, I hated high school. And I, so yeah. I used to go to the university, actually. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I just felt like more comfortable hanging around older people for whatever reason. Okay. And there was like this center that I used to go to called the Women's Center. It was spelled with a Y. It's all for hippies and lesbians, mostly okay. a lot of lesbians. Yeah. And I used to go there every day. And they used to tolerate my 13-year-old ass. Yeah. And I used, I went there for years. But like, That's so for wonderful. me having like a place where I could go to, where I could just be myself and it, it just, it really helped me a lot growing up. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. I give them credit for, for that kind of tolerance. Cause like who wants to, <laughs> are you trying to, are you trying to say who wants to be around you? <laughs> no, like a group of like, you know, 22, 23 year olds yeah. having this. 13 14 year olds like really obnoxious kid like yeah. come every day yeah. right it's it's difficult like and i was a raging like i call myself an elite homo yeah um because like i went through i was raging when i was a teenager like i had shaved my head yeah I like wanted everyone to know. Like, I would do presentations at school. I'd be like, I'm a homosexual and blah, blah, blah. How many of us fought to mine? I yeah, am I would, gay. I, I'm the gayest. I did a presentation. This is so embarrassing. I'm, I'm really shy. But <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you can I share. I did a presentation at school about like my sex life with my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just said, okay, hold on. You just said you're really shy. And then you did a presentation like, about that. I'm shy that? now. But like oh, back okay. then, yeah. I, I didn't care. And I said, I was like making a, um, I guess. Did you provide diagrams? It, it was just basically like, <laughs> I made an argument about why gay sex is better than, it was, I was okay. really, I was just really out there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I was, I, I was a songwriter, right? Yeah. So like I was playing my gay music everywhere about me liking girls and like, it was really, it was really something else, Brittany. Honestly, I love it. And I love it for so many different reasons. Like one of them being, I, yeah, I think it's incredible that at such a young age, you were so comfortable with expressing who you were. Um, I think it's just like, you know, your brain hasn't developed yet. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, and like good (laughs) on you for that. That's what teenagers, that's why they're like that because you don't, you don't know any better. Not that there's anything wrong with it, right? Yeah. But would I do that? Like, I would never do... I'm very, like... I would never do something like that now. Yeah. But, um... Why not? It's just, you know, I, I'm quite shy now. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it's not very uh, ladylike of me to... to uh, Ladylike. <laughs> that term. And also, I have <laughs> internalized homophobia. I'm 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't... I think I... Obviously, I have before. I have a, I have a lot of, like... I was addicted to 
harming myself and cutting myself right yeah when I was like 13 from from probably that and I had a really fucked up childhood as well it's just but um but now like when I hear or like uh like gay people like being really overt it makes me uncomfortable yeah because of my it's my own there's nothing wrong it's just me right yeah and um the awareness of like people's discomfort and like the the uh the stigma and so I think I try my best not to feed into that. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, it's amazing that you're so aware and you just want to kind of, you know, you don't want to perpetuate that. You yeah. don't want that to affect your life or your business um, or your relationships. And yeah, I mm-hmm. think that there's a lot to say about that. Yeah. We all have, and not to say that what you're experiencing is not unique because it is, but I think we have to be, we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace in knowing that we're not all perfect. There's a lot that goes on internally um, that we all struggle with. Again, we all come from different life experiences and paths. Uh, and the fact that you are doing what you're doing and mm-hmm. you have overcome so much says so much because now you're providing that comfort and that environment and that level of safety and security for others that maybe you didn't once feel. Yeah. 100%. Um, I had a thought and then it, it vanished. That's I'm okay. Sorry, I have my strike. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, but thank you so much for taking the time. Pleasure. Oh, I wanted to say yes. Um, thank you for letting me, like, I, I don't normally talk this candidly about like my, uh, my, my drug use or like my, my gayness or these sorts of things. So yeah, it says a lot that I'm able to feel this comfortable. Good. I'm yeah, glad. Thank you. And that's what I want this podcast to be about is for people to authentically share who they are, uh, you know, where the journey started, where it is now and where it's going. So I think that's how I want to wrap things up is what do you see for yourself? What do you see for sister fit? What's, what's to come? Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, one of the reasons why I don't have the gym open on the weekends is because I, I have other visions, right? I want yeah. maybe to have events, and uh, I'm also like into my songwriting. Yeah. So I want to pursue that. And um, I, I, I do, I do, I think I would like to develop the space more and have, just have it really grow, um, have more community development and um, perhaps, perhaps like grow different in different yeah. areas. Yeah. Uh, a youth presence. A youth presence, but also yeah. like have different gyms and uh, different parts of, of Canada. Ah, as well. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that would be beautiful. I think it's, you know, it's one thing to have yourself stationed in a community, um, which I think, you know, you've, you've really got a great space and a great location. Um, but to be able to spread the message that you are and create the space that, that you have in other areas would would honestly be again such a relief for mm-hmm. so many different people um and for so many different women so um that's super exciting yeah and i hope you you're around with us for a very long time yeah, yeah. i you know with everything 
that you are wanting to do and everything that you have done, it's kind of hard not to. And, you know, the familial feeling that I got first walking into your gym, um, yeah, that never goes forgotten. I always remember that. Like every time I walk in, sometimes I walk in and I just like, haven't had a good day. And I'll tell you like that. You're like, how are you? And I'm like, not that great. <laughs> Not that great today. Yeah. Um, but once, you know, we get the music going yeah. um, and the ladies walk in, it's just all of that sort of dissipates. Yeah, really and great. I walk out at the end just feeling like that was worth it. Mm-hmm. That was worth me, you know, getting through whatever you know, head junk I had Mm -hmm. and whatever crap I was dealing with before class, Mm -hmm. you know, interacting with you and the members just, yeah, makes me feel accepted and makes me feel like there's always something bigger. There's always Mm -hmm. something bigger that I am trying to do. And yeah. And I feel like I'm getting that done at, at sister Mm -hmm. fit. So we love you. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, so where can everybody find you? Um, on social media. Yes. Sister fit T O all one word. Amazing. Yeah. Mostly Instagram. Um, and our website is, um, sister Yes. I would highly recommend, um, if you would like to get stronger, um, Fatima's boxing class uh, classes, um, her street fit class, uh, which I like, really brought me back to like my Krav Maga days, um, was really awesome. And taking the boot camp classes are great. The environment is amazing, very welcoming. It's just a big family. And when you come on like <laughs> many days, there's quite a spread of yeah. delicious <laughs> treats. So. <laughs> That's always something uh, great to look forward to. Again, thank you so much. And um, yeah, that's it, guys. And we'll see you for our next one.